This this month is going to be a little different. Um, I'll kind of give you the little layout of what we're going to do this this year for Love Month because it's a little bit different than in years past. Um, obviously, we'll talk about this week here in a few moments, but next week we're going to talk about loving others and what that means more on a, on a broader scale. And then week three, we're going to talk about um, relationships and uh, more specific, uh, more things kind of geared around relationships. I guess we'll kind of leave it at that. Um, and then week four is going to be our guys and girls night where we split up, uh, which is really, I, I feel like the week that you guys just wait all year for. Um, it's, I, I, I honestly enjoy it. I kind of like the, huh? Yeah, it's not bad at all. Well, the, like, are you talking about, are you talking about love month in general? Okay. You don't get to sit through guys though. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't help what you guys are talking about, but we, we go for it in the guys group. Like people are crying. That is the goal, is, is to make you guys cry on our guys and girls nights. Anyways, so that's what ha- what's happening the rest of the month. Um, obviously, the heart of Love Month uh, has just simply to kind of help guide you guys through understanding what godly relationships look like and everything that comes with that. Um, basically, just godly principles of love. And that's more or less the same. Um, this, this year, we're going to, we're kind of, going to do something a little differently. We're going to start at the fundamentals of love. And you can't get more fundamental than loving God. So tonight we're going to talk about um, loving God and the fact that God is love. Okay, so you can jot that down. And the next thing you jot down is this, um, love's beginning. I think to completely understand love, and eventually we're going to talk about loving other people and, and, and boyfriends and girlfriends and husbands and wives and and um, all that jazz, but before you can effectively love someone else like that, you need to understand love and where it came from. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about. Love's beginning. Simply stated, and if there's one thing that, that you need to learn and to understand and to wrap your mind around and, and have in the back of your mind at all times, it's the simple fact that God loves you. God loves you quite a bit. We were created to be an outlet for God's love so that God could express his love to something. And we are that thing. And also we were created to love God. So we're created to receive love. We're also created to love God in return. This is the purpose of life. People spend millions and billions of years trying to figure out what the purpose of life is. And this is it. This is the reason why we exist, why we were made, to bring God glory, to love him and for us to pour, or for him to pour his love out on us. That's why, kind of simply say, that's why we exist. And if we look through the scriptures, we see uh, just all these different passages that just show us God's crazy love for his people, for us. If you look in the Old Testament, how many of you have read the entire Old Testament? Let's work on that, okay? How many of you have read the entire New Testament? Just out of curiosity. Let's read the Bible, okay? Uh, So in the Old Testament, we basically just follow the story of the Israelites who were God's chosen people and and, um, God's constant pursuit of their affection. 
That's basically the entire Old Testament. Um, just God pouring out his love on his people. Um, and it may not always seem that way, um, but it's true. Like, take this for example. Um, a perfect example of God showing love to humanity, the story of Noah. Okay? You're thinking, like, what? Didn't God kill everybody? How is that love? Yeah, okay. So maybe he did kill most of the people. But you see in this story, as you read the passage, you see that, that God is just in this state where he's just so frustrated with man, with people. Um, he even says at one point that he regrets creating men and women, but men is kind of the general term for humans. So just work with me here, ladies. Don't get offended. So you see God in this, really, in this, in this kind of state where he's just angry because everyone is just evil and rancid and awful, and everyone is just doing all these terrible things, and, and God regrets creating people, but he sees Noah and his family, mainly Noah, and Noah finds favor in God's eyes. God likes Noah. He's the only one in the entire planet who's doing stuff right, and God loved Noah, and because he loved Noah and because he loved mankind, his creation, he decided to keep Noah around and to start over, to start from scratch and to start humanity over. See, if, if God didn't love us or humans, then he would have just been done with it. It would be probably just have an empty earth with just dinosaurs, just dinosaurs. So kind of like the opposite of right now, right? Um, but he, he showed love to Noah and he showed love to us through that moment, even though it kind of doesn't look like it. Um, and then you see uh, the story of Moses, and this one's a little more apparent than the story of Noah. Um, but basically, the, the summary of the story of Moses is, um, so God's people, the Israelites, were enslaved um, to the Egyptians. And they were enslaved for a long time. And God's kind of finally got to the point where he's like, okay, it's time to, to bust them loose. So he, he goes out and he gets Moses, and he um, kind of tells Moses what he wants to do. And Moses is like, no, not me. I'm not worthy and all this jazz. He insists. So Moses goes and is kind of um, God's wingman, if you will, a little bit, his, his uh, mediator, his middleman, a little bit. Um, so Moses goes up to the Pharaoh several times, and he's like, hey, um, I think it's time for you to let God's people go. Um, and Pharaoh's like, no, they're, um, they're my slaves, and they're building pyramids and stuff, so I'm going to keep them. Um, so this kind of went back and forth, and then God intervened in a big way, and he sent these plagues. Um, on several different occasions, Moses would go and talk to the Pharaoh, and Pharaoh's like, no, so this plague would happen. And the plagues range from, um, man, the, the waters of the sea turned to blood. There was locusts. Do you guys remember any other plagues? You remember? Yeah, it was, yeah. The, every firstborn son was killed. Huh? Boils, frogs, livestock, mice. Probably. That, that's, I feel like that would be a, a good one. I would cry if mice were everywhere. Snakes would be worse for me. But anyways. And spiders. Snakes and spiders on, t like riding on snakes would be the worst plague I can imagine. Well, killing the first something is kind of bad. Uh, <laughs> but second to that would be the, s the spiders on snakes. Anyway, so all these different miraculous plagues um, came into play. And then so finally, Pharaoh's like, okay, take them, just get them out of here. So um, 
Moses takes these people, all these people, and, and God is constantly there every step of the way leading them. In fact, he, he's literally guiding them um, at the beginning of the journey. In the, at the day, um, I think he led him by a pillar of smoke, so this big old thing of smoke would guide them. And then at night, it would turn into fire so they could see it because you couldn't see smoke at nighttime. That's silly. So God led them by smoke and by fire. And then uh, they got to the Red Sea, and they needed to get there because the Pharaoh sent the Egyptians to go get them again. Um, so they were kind of stuck, and then God parted the whole sea so they could walk through it. And then once they got through, it collapsed, and people died, and it was a mess. And then after that, after years and, and a bunch of time on the, on the road just wandering in the wilderness, the people were obviously hungry. So God sent food from the sky. Like it just fell from the sky. Manna from heaven came, and they, they ate that. And the people, of course, because they're people, eventually got to a point where it's like, this spiritual heavenly food doesn't taste good. I want something else. Where are you, God? Interesting people. And God even made water come from a rock, and he did all these different miracles, and these people got to witness all these amazing things. But eventually they turned their backs on him. There's a part of the story where Moses goes up to the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments. It's a really cool part of the story. And he comes back down the mountain, and the people have, have built an idol, a gold calf. And they were worshiping this gold calf instead of the God that brought them out of slavery. They turned their back on him. Time after time in the Old Testament, you see God's people turning their backs on him. And time after time, he, he tries so hard to draw them back to him again and again because of his love. And then God came up with this master plan. It's God's master plan of love. Simply put, it was Jesus. Our sins were a problem. Our sins are a problem. Um, our sins, they're the thing that, that, that's keeping us out of heaven, that's really keeping us away from God and from having a, a relationship with him. So God's love kind of put a plan into motion, a plan to save us from our sins. You have your Bibles, open up to John 3.16. Don't say to yourself, hey, I know this one like the back of my hand. It doesn't matter. I want you to read it. John 3.16. There's another passage in 1 John 4.9 that you don't have to look up. It's going to be on the screen, but it basically says the same thing in a different way. It says this. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. So we see here that God's love motivated him and pushed him to intervene and provide a way out of sin for us so that we could draw near to him. Through Jesus and his death and his resurrection and his sacrifice, we can do that. That's why in 1 John 4, Jesus is referred to as God's love manifest among us, present among us. Literally, God's love was here on earth among his people. Um, he was God's love because he's the one that took our sins. He died for our sins, and he took them away, and in doing that, provided a way to heaven, and he tore the veil um, that was in the way of us and God and having a relationship with him, and he gave us access to a relationship with the creator of the universe. Um, the Bible says that this is the ultimate expression of love, is death. Being willing to die for those you love, there's nothing greater you can do out of love. That's exactly what Jesus did. The Bible says no greater love, there's no greater love than this for one to lay down their life for someone else. That's how much God loves us as he put this plan in motion and sent his only son down to die so that we could have access to heaven, so that we could have access to a relationship with him. That was his love. 
And we really only have one response to this, to God's love for us, and that's simply just to love God. Write that down. To love God. First John 4, 19. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven words. It says, we love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. This is it. I mean, people wonder all the time, why should I give my life to Jesus? Why should I commit to that lifestyle that's required of me? Why should I love Jesus? Lately, we've been talking a lot about um, being a true follower of Jesus and what that looks like. To, to be a follower of Jesus, it's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take many life changes. And it's going to take being really, really uncomfortable. And why should we do that? Simply because he first loved us. We love God because he loves us. Because he loved us first and he loves us more than we could ever love him. And this should really be the motivation for everything that we do. For the decisions we make. For the way we live our lives. For everything. Our motivation should be God loves us. And we do everything out of that knowledge. And out of that love then should come life change. Should come obedience should come complete commitment to following him. And frankly, before we can love other people, before we can love um, boyfriends or girlfriends, before we can love husbands and wives, we have to experience God's love, and we have to love him ourselves. To truly love others, we have to do that first. And that's why we're talking about, that, that, about this tonight. That's why this is a part of Love Month, because it's so important that we understand the love that God has for us and the reason why we are to love him. We have to understand how messed up we are, how messed up we were before we knew Jesus. That all this garbage in our lives and all this sin and bad stuff we did, that that is the stuff that is holding us back. And the only way that we can break that, to break through that sin and gain access to heaven and relationship with God is to accept that free gift the free gift of Jesus' is death and resurrection. We don't like to think about our weaknesses. We don't like to think about the bad stuff that we've done. That's uncomfortable to think about that. But we cannot truly accept Jesus' sacrifice until we understand how badly we need what he did for us. We cannot truly love God until we understand that. And we certainly can't truly love another person without understanding that as well. This is why we talked about this during Love Month. It's the basics. It's the fundamentals. It's like to baseball, learning to throw a ball. Or in football, learning how to tackle. It's fundamental, something that we need to start with. This is the thing that needs to come before everything else, before we talk about loving others, before we talk about relationships and different things like that. We need to establish this and understand God's love for us and in turn completely love him. Let's pray. Hey, God, we're so grateful for your, for your love. I know it's easy to say that, and it's, it's really easy to take that for granted. And maybe even sometimes it doesn't even feel like you're there. It doesn't feel like you love us. God, but we know that when we read the word, when we read your words, God, it's so clear how much you love us. In the Old Testament, you spend 
all this time chasing after your chosen people. And in the New Testament, we see Jesus and your master plan of love come to fruition. And we see Jesus dying in our place because of your love for us. For God so loved the world, he sent his only son. All we have to do is believe in him and we can receive eternal life, God. All we have to do is live for you, to commit our lives to you and follow you. We just have to accept that gift. And then that gift will change our lives. God, we're so grateful for your love. And we're so sorry of the times where we just fall short of loving you back the way you deserve to be. A lot of times we don't live our lives as a reflection of you and our love for you. And we're sorry for that. God, we do love you. We're so grateful. It's in your name we pray. Amen.